Well, here we are, y'all. This is another episode of the Yeah Buddy podcast. We are recorded live from the Inno Grove studios up here in Elk Grove, California. And just like every episode of the Yeah Buddy podcast, I always try to bring on some of my friends here in the entertainment industry, somebody that does something with movies, somebody that does something in the comedy world. And then we just get together, we shoot the shit, and we just tell our stories. And um, yeah, we just talk. So, uh, yeah, so without further ado, we just want to get this episode started. Like me, my name is Buddy Ramy. You already know I'm the host of this here show. And uh, like any other episode, I got my guest here. We have, uh, let them introduce themselves, ladies first. I am Tess Tickles. I'm a local comedian. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at followmyfunny. Awesome. And hey, I'm Deodonis Moquette. I am a local filmmaker, director, and producer. And you can follow me on my IG, uh, Adonis, D-A-D-O-N-I-S-M. All right, cool. So we're going to get uh, get into this episode. Like I said, Tess, she does the whole uh, comedy stuff, doing the stand-up out here in Sacramento, California. The Adonis out here making moves, doing this uh, movie stuff, directing and things like that, nature and stuff like that. Tess, what is it that got you um, started into stand-up? Or like, how long have you been doing it for? Uh, we're going to get a little deep here. Uh, three years I've been doing comedy my dad passed away and I went through a grieving period where I kind of had some depression and I don't deal with depression. You know, I don't on a daily, I'm a pretty happy go lucky girl. Um, but I realized, you know, my upbringing was very night and day between my mom and dad. My dad was white and rich. My mom was Mexican and poor. Um, and I didn't want to be like her. I didn't want to be like him. I have a lot of both their qualities. So I said, I don't do anything for myself. So I took a class, punchline, punchline. Johnny Taylor's oh, Johnny story class? telling class. I had a funny golf cart story that happened to me at work. Bitch fell out my cart and went to the emergency room. It's a big old thing. So he helped me write a funny little callback. And at the end, everybody was chanting, fucking Becky. <laughs> so it worked. Becky, well, that was her name? Yeah, that was her name. And yeah. then, then Adonis, you're out here doing uh, directing, producing, just... Just a whole bunch of stuff right there. How did you get started into filmmaking? Uh, yeah, no, I think I got my start off uh, really wanting to get into acting. And so I went to school for acting, uh, college, that is. And I think in my second semester, I ended up finding out that like 99% of actors are jobless. And then out of <laughs> yeah, out of like the, the 2% of actors that or 1% of actors who had jobs, only 2% of them were African-American. And so after I found that out, I was like, oh, okay, I got to change. I got to do something else because like it wasn't realistic um, in, in my opinion at that time. Um, and so I wanted to then provide opportunities for the next person coming up so then they can see that kind of representation on screen for themselves so then they could follow their dreams. And that's kind of like what kind of deterred me to go more so towards the filmmaking route. And so what was that transition like from you because like you know me i'm an actor and stuff like that and i know exactly what you're talking about i'd be like damn especially with the uh the, the the strike that just happened and then um all the restrictions from like trying to bounce back from the quarantine and stuff like that like don't trust me it's so like like i like i say i'm an actor but that just means I'm, I, I drive for uber <laughs> <laughs> it's sometimes it'd be like yeah yeah, yeah. but uh yeah no i i think um the transition for me was really just it was a lot because I first dropped out of college uh, and then I later on like came back after I realized like I started doing sales, started getting into TV sales, shoe sales, car sales, 
made a ridiculous amount of money because I was just like, oh, hey, maybe school's not for me and I need to go a different route. Uh, then found out that money doesn't equate to happiness. Uh, then decided to, okay, go back to school because, you know, I, I'm not, my soul isn't being fed through just monetary gains. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I've always been a proponent of like, it's hard to get opportunities given to you. And so because of that, I've always throughout my entire life just had to make my own opportunities. Uh, and so, you know, I started just making my own projects and like really networking a lot, putting together, um, you know, projects in order to bring people together. So then I could surround myself by like-minded people to try to get my things out there. So how would you feel about, I guess um, now you do mostly directing. Um, what is it that made you, because there's so many different jobs that you could do, like, like I said, behind the scenes and stuff like that. What is it that just drew you to like, well, I'm directing? Um, yeah, no, uh, I knew that beforehand uh, that I wanted to be the type of person who can tell people yes or no. Uh, because every single time that I would try to get out there myself, I would find out that like, oh, okay, like I, no one's giving me this opportunity. And so I took that as a challenge of like, oh, okay, these people don't know how to do their jobs, right? So I'm going to go out there and make the jobs myself and give other people that kind of opportunity. Um, so, you know, that just started off with me making my own films. I remember as a kid, like I, I would play video games and then direct my friends in those video games um, as if it was like a film and then just kind of really self-training. And, and later on, I was able to kind of like find my way to get onto film sets um, where I was capable of like watching other directors and like seeing, you know, what their techniques and styles were and then trying to add that to my repertoire. And then Tess, when you mentioned, um, you know, what it is that got you into doing stand-up, I feel that's just like such a common thing with with everybody, like when they get into stand up, like it's something like I go like, cause I was depressed when I got into stand up. I was just like, just going through it and stuff like that. Um, what was it like when you when you just finally said, all right, whew, I'm on stage, I'm telling my jokes and stuff like that. And then like that, that whole release afterwards, cause your jokes didn't really necessarily, weren't necessarily geared towards like your family or like your dad, but did that cut or were they? No. Okay, I was about to say. <laughs> some, some comedians will do that. Some people like, hey, y'all, so my dad just died. Y'all be No. But no. Yeah, what, was, what took, was that like? I took a second class with Keith Wool Jensen, and that's where I wrote my dick sucking list bit. Okay, the Gooch Goblin. The Gooch Goblin list. Yeah. Okay. So I came out in open mics practicing that list. So I wasn't a normal stand up person right yeah. from the get. I wasn't talking about my family shit. wasn't talking about my dad dying. I wasn't talking about nothing like that. I legit went in, wrote something, and I was practicing that. Um, and that's what I'm known for now. I'm known as a raunchy comic that talks about dick sucking and fucking on stage. Yeah, And it goes head to head with your name. How, how did you come up with the name Tess? Oh, Tess God. So when I started comedy, um, I told my mechanic I was going to be doing an um, um, an open mic or a class or whatever. And he said, follow my funny on Instagram. No one has it, right? So no one knows how to spell Tess or Tess Frey, my full name. Like I just heard you having to spell out your name, you know, kind of a thing. When you're in a noisy bar and trying to get people's attention, it just doesn't go. So Tess Tickles was a a nickname, I guess, a friend of mine had for me in high school. And I hated it back then. So Saki Salceda, four foot two Mexican dude, right? When I'd walk into a party, 
he'd shout at the top of his lungs from across the room, testicles. And I fucking hated it back then. But now I thank him for my stage name. Now he gave you your stage name. And it kind of yeah. goes hand in hand. Yeah. I'm a big rap, I'm a big rap fan, like hip hop fan. So I love like the double entendres and oh, like yeah. the entendres that go with just the name Test Tickles, because it's like it, it's not spelled like like balls, you know what I'm saying? But it's spelled nope. like like tickles, like you're tickling somebody. Correct. So you like how so, you hear it. Yeah. So test like you know, test makes you laugh, like you tickle, you're like, oh, she's tickling me. But then you also do talk a lot about dicks and genitalia. I'm amused either way. If you get it right away, you're my kind of people. <laughs> you have my mindset. But if it doesn't, it's a slow burn. And I did my job as a comedian. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know? Is this the type of comedy that you're into, the Adonis, that the, 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 the ladies go on stage talking about I, the dick sucking in? I was not prepared for this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did not get that memo. Um, I do it in a good way. Okay, I talk about the pleasures of pleasing a man. I try to teach the women in the audience. Don't come from a woman bashing perspective. I enjoy that. And I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. And I say that in my set yeah. a couple of times. She does. She yeah. I mean, because when you did the what was the show that we had just did up at the um oh at the big, big sex thing brewery? Like, yeah, I was just uh, like like everybody was just fucking laughing. Like when he was going through the whole entire just list of this gooch god with the the I don't know what the fuck you say, but uh, 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 whatever she says. The Lord Swallower, Felicia, Felicia Freak, Golfing Goddess. I'm the master of the Any Color Karaoke Machine. Backthucker, Gooch Goblin, Chorizo Chomper, Cabeza Cabrona. Yes, yeah. and, and there's a few more. And how how this how this comes from like being depressed now to just do thought about hey y'all guess what. <laughs> I mean, like so the transition. I don't. That, that's just comedy, I guess. But I don't. The, I, the premise of the joke is true. There was a guy who walked into the bar at a time I was talking to my girlfriend about one of my intimacy issues, and we both looked like two vagina raptors trying to get our points across to this man who's standing in the middle of us, and he's just like going like this right between us two. And that's where that came from. It came from me defending what I can and cannot do in the bedroom because he said it was me, right? That I was the issue. Mm -hmm. And then talking about how he's faithful to his wife and all this stuff, right? And then my friend goes to the bathroom and he asked me to go with him to his truck. So then I knew it wasn't me. <laughs> and I did research. So I asked people, what do you call a woman who good dick? Gives a good blowjob. Oh, so you did research. You yeah. did like a whole like like family feud circle. I went to a micro midget wrestling event and it was a mixed crowd, old and young, okay, all different nationalities. And I went around asking old women, young women, old men, young men in the bathroom, at the bar, outside, everywhere. That's a degenerate event. <laughs> They're going to give me some great answers. And I got a list. Then I hit the Urban Dictionary. All right. No <laughs> Becky, no Becky. No Becky. <laughs> Becky's gone. Yes. The things we do to research jokes. You the Adonis, you ever do it? Like, what's the most extensive research you've ever done for like a film that like we I'm pretty sure you ain't go out to like midget wrestling or whatever like that, but no, but that's that's the next project in the works. Um there you go. I I don't as far as jokes go, I think uh more so my route would be uh, I forget what the technical term is, but they'll go do a once over on a script afterwards mm -hmm. to try to like add in the jokes. Oh, like a punch up or whatever. That's kind exactly. of exactly like, like a punch up. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but yeah, but no, this uh, uh, little people fighting is is, is not in my uh, uh, repertoire. Okay. 
but like what's the most like like on like film side like getting ready to like direct a film produce a film like what's the most research or like the most like craziest thing that you've ever had to like research to get a, a, a project off the ground oh man um so i am uh in the process or in post-production for uh a short that was inspired by the life of kobe bryant mm -hmm. um and so for research for that you know i listened to a lot of uh, interviews that he had, uh, watched his documentary, uh, watched, uh, you know, YouTube in-depth, uh, you know, videos on like him as a person, uh, read, you know, articles online. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I, I feel like with every single project, uh, especially as a creative, you want to try to get as many influences as you can, um, especially trying to give, you know, credit to a real life person. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think, you know, research is just kind of like a, a normal thing whenever you're trying to, to do something creative, at least on my end. I mean, how is that? How is that going? You said it's in post-production right now? Yeah, yeah. It's currently in post-production. Uh, you know, it's still going through the editing process. We have some visual effects that we have to, like, get through uh, some original music that we still have to score. So it's still a little bit of a ways, but uh, we're happy with it uh, so far. Yeah. And so when you do these projects and stuff like that, do you have your own um, crew that you work with? Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, for the most part, filmmaking, you work a lot of the times with freelancers. Mm -hmm. And so uh, depending on, you know, uh, what everyone's availability, usually I like to try to bring back the same people every single time if I can. Uh, because having like a tight knit group of creatives who, you know, are ride or die, will be there for you in a pinch is like really essential and like can really save you on a film set because if you bring the wrong type of vibes on a film set, like you could really, you could mess up your production, like to the point of like no return. Um, so there, and I'm sure there's been plenty of instances where, you know, I've ticked off people uh, just, you know, with my incompetence on set, I'm sure. Um, so making sure that you surround yourself by like, positive influences, people who know what they're doing, people who are there and down for you uh, is crucial into you being able to make your creative uh, vision a reality. Yeah, I don't think people really understand, like, especially how you say, like, most of, like, freelancers and uh, just how hard it is to get work in general. Like, people don't understand just how much um, a good personality, like, a good, a good attitude, a good attitude and some good food will go a long way. <laughs> I'll go a long way on a film set just to keep everybody happy, keep everybody coming back and stuff like that. Because for the most part, um, like especially if you're talking about like working like crew, like PAs and stuff like that, like they don't really get paid. They get paid, but they don't. Get, I don't feel like they would get paid what they're worth. Yeah, like you know the work that they do. We can relate to that in the comedy no, world. <laughs> no, for sure. I, and I think that really like food, good food on a set is kind of like alcoholic beverages in a comedy show. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like it changes people's like attitudes, like it, it makes people more recipro reciprocal to like the, the, the things that you're giving, you know, entertaining them with. Um, and so, yeah, if you can't provide, uh, you know, the right cost to people for their work, it's a good idea at least to like feed them really well. So they're not ornery on set. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about you, Tess? What's some of the things in like because you, you, you over here just kick it ass doing the producer thing and stuff like that. What are some of your experiences that you've learned like from like producing, like just dealing with uh, comedians or dealing with, um, you know, these these owners of the venue? You know, just things that you that you 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 come across that you're like, oh, wow, I didn't really expect that. You know, I've been kind of fortunate. 
um, the two places that I worked with in 2023 actually offered their venues to me to produce a show based on what I have done and what I can bring. Um, moving into 2024, I am producing a few more unique shows. Um, we've got a wine bar in Rancho. I've got my uh, Loose Lips on the Strip coming up on January 17th. That's going to be a full nude strip club combined with a comedy show, God which damn. is going to be great. Um, so it's things like that. I'm trying to give back an experience not only to the audience, but to our comics as well. Um, because as you guys were saying and kind of commenting, PAs don't get paid much. Same as comics. Sometimes we do shows for free. Um, and so I want to give back a little bit to our community and give us an experience. Titties. So, you're, you're, titties. titties. That's all. Yeah. Titties. Pussy and ass. Pussy Whole shebang. The testicle. <laughs> what was that? January 17th? January 17th. Pure Gold Showgirls on 3000 Sunrise Boulevard. 8 p.m. Loose Lips on the Strip. Hosted by Test Tickle from Alvin Reed Duke. How did you, how did the idea of like, like comedy at a strip club? <laughs> Jackie Pearl. Jackie Pearl. Shout out Jackie to, Pearl. shout out to the, the Pink Flamingo. Shout out to my girl, man. That's the mama of comedy here in Sacramento. And I love her to death. She talked about Crazy Horse in San Francisco. You've been there. I've been to, yeah, me and Jackie have gone to the Crazy Horse a couple of times. <laughs> so it's those stories. It's those stories that make me envious and I have FOMO like a motherfucker and I want to bring it to Sacramento. <laughs> so dear daughters, if you don't know, the Crazy Horse is a strip club down there in um in San Francisco. And before the whole pandemic happened, they were throwing, um they was doing like open mics and they was doing uh, uh, comedy shows there in the back VIP room and stuff like that. So like when the whenever the girls were like on their break or like, you know, get ready, you know, clock in or clock out. I don't know how it works at the club, but, um, you know, they would just be chilling there. So we actually had an audience, <laughs> you know, we actually had an audience, people there laughing. It's like, and it's funny, like you tell the jokes and stuff like that. There's like a lot of attractive women. They're just like half naked and stuff like that. Because usually like they're like, if you're afraid to public speak, they say you just got to badge everybody in the crowd like naked. But I was like, no, nah, she is naked. We, we, ain't, we ain't got to match another. <laughs> just, there's just titties and ass right here. We, we, we can only go up from here. Professionally, the modern day Heidi Fleiss that I'm going to be is the degenerate comedy producer. Holy like, shit. <laughs> bring your strip club. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's really just brilliant because, like, you literally have a captive audience that's not going anywhere. Nowhere. Like you commit to going inside of the strip club. Like that's where you're going. <laughs> well, there's a benefit even to the patrons. They're charging them $5 less to get in during the comedy show and uh -huh. you need to stay. So it's a, it's going to be the comedy show and the gentlemen's club entrance combined. So there's a benefit. You get two in one and it's a discount. All right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we did. I think the last show I did before the pandemic was at um, the strip club in Marysville. And like, there's yeah, there's a strip club out there. I need the name. It's the, called the manager's information. Bottoms up. Uh, shout out to Wally. Shout out to Wally. Hey, he does it. Yeah, Wally, so, I'm coming. He's, yeah, we we take We're it. We're bringing the show. It, it buddy, I'll book Buddy for the first show. All right, cool. We're taking it on tour. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was um, it was interesting because like I said, there's nothing to, there was nothing to do out there in Marysville or Yuba City as it was. So like people like showed up for like the the, the comedy show, but then I was like, because I was hosting it, then I after like, all right, y'all, now the real show's about to start, you know, but everybody just left. So y'all don't want to. I don't yeah. care though. I don't care. We're in. We're in now. We're in now. That's for that's only for the comedians. The comedians stay chill afterwards. 
Exactly. We're already in. Mm-hmm. Dear daughter, should we pull it up January 17th? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely open to it. We're going to put, <laughs> put you on the guesses. We'll get you in, like, even though it's already $5 off, we'll try to hook them up with something. Just, Heck yeah. yeah. There we go. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone following Adonis is live. I need you guys there. Pure Gold Showgirls, January 17th, 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like, they're like, what did we just clock in? Like, oh my gosh. They're like, I could just see Donna Lisa just like, what is this? Oh. And then Diodos, you're out here doing things. You recently, no, how long have you been with the CFAA? Oh man, I think it's going on like a year now. I think so, yeah. And what is your role? Like, switch them? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a board member. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. What made them, how did that connection happen with y'all? Yeah, yeah. So I know uh, Lori, who is, uh, you know, the the chairman, Mm. the senior chairman of uh, CFAA. And basically, uh, she interviewed me for because she, you know, we have this relationship where, you know, it's back and forth. You know, we both support the community. Um, And she was just really like, you know, I want to bring you on. I like the vibe that you have. Um, I like what you represent. And I see you going somewhere in the future. So she wanted to, you know, bring me on uh, to be able to help boost up the CFAA. One thing I do love about the CFAA is that y'all like how you say, like the boost up the community. Um, Y'all really do do a lot for the the film community out here in Sacramento. One, I want to just say thank you for that. But then um, other thing is like, do you see the community growing? Do you see any like type of growth there? And then like, um, cause like I said before I went to, um, where did I go? I went to, I don't know if you know, her name is, she's an actress. Her name is uh, Tasha and she had threw mm-hmm. a mixer down at uh tiger. Mm-hmm. And there was, there's a lot of black people up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, this is nice. Yeah. This is beautiful. It's not, it was it wasn't like that, like six years ago, seven years ago and stuff like that. Yeah. So just, uh, just seeing the, the growth and the change in the community, um, how do you feel about it? Then also, how do you feel knowing that you're, you're, you're a part of it? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's always a challenge, right? I think, uh, just creatives in general, is like always a challenge to try to figure out how to get our projects funded. Right. And so something that I really do appreciate about the community is the fact that we have like people like you who are like going out of their way to like build up these events so then they can, you know, uh, make their own ways and paths down entertainment, right? And I really feel like that's kind of what we have to do until we get recognized and noticed and we can build upon that. Um, as far as where the community go- is going right now, I feel like it's a lot better place than it was before. Um, I feel like, you know, we have a new film commissioner who has been in there the last couple of years who's like really kind of like boosted the presence of Sacramento going out of uh, her way, shout out to Jennifer West, mm-hmm. uh, going out of her way to really try to make, you know, a statement with Sacramento as a whole. And so I feel like we have a brighter future than we had before, but there's still a lot of work that has to be done. Yeah, most definitely. Because like I say, it's it's definitely not, uh, there's 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 business out here, like, you know, that involves, like, you know, that involves filming, mm-hmm. but there is no real, like, industry, like, no, like, machine like that you would take, like, down in, like, Hollywood or something yeah. like that. So everything that we do up here is really community driven. Um, we definitely got to all like work together, collaborate to like whatever is our special, whatever our special talents are, Yeah, you know, and just make it work together. That's a lot like, like I see from similarities of the, like that with the, with the comedy world. Because yeah. there's something like, cause like the comedy world, man, like, like what was like, like tight knit, like a tight knit group, like it's almost like getting initiated into a gang. Like once you're there, like, <laughs> like, like the bumpers like ride for you. 
appreciate that. Well, it, it sounds pretty similar to the film industry, where it's like the hardest thing to do in the film industry is to get your foot in the door, right? So yeah. then you can continue getting those jobs. Yeah. So is it like a similar to that? I would say, well, because like, um, if we're talking about like getting work, like, because um, like if you want to work on, um, like say, you got to find it. You got to find, yeah. you got to find film work. Whereas like with the comedy world, I feel it's like, you still got to kind of find it, but you know, you start off, like, say you start off with the bar, you start off with the open mic. So you go, like, you take a class, you got, you just, you kind of like, it's easier to like, cause we have comedy clubs up here, mm -hmm. you know? So it's easy, like, if I want to, if I want to get into comedy, I could just go to the Sacramento comedy spot, check out the open mic and then talk to somebody. Or I could go to the punchline or laughs unlimited and talk to somebody. I called it like Hogwarts. Oh, felt like there were oh. different houses of comedy. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's the slithering. And, and if you were with one, you weren't with the other. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, yeah. buddy? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. It's very, like, it's and very And some quick. would promote certain houses and, like, try to initiate you or tell you one's better than the other. Oh, you wow. know, kind yeah. of. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I always, I don't know. I always felt like that was just kind of like, because we do the same thing in the film industry where it's like, we have these group of people who do one thing, these group of people who do one thing. They talk about each other. They and then, like, yeah. They don't, do, you know, cohort with each other. Because I don't want to um, put any things out there because like, we have the CFA, no, then we have like the CFF, and then you have the, and they just kind of like, like yeah. but they do two yeah. separate things, but they're at the same time, they're like, man, we don't. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so, like, uh, how I always kind of felt about that is like, we're too small to not be working with each other. Yeah. Like, I feel like it, it's, kind of like just looks bad for the community when uh we you know some people walk around thinking they're higher than thou uh and not working together because essentially we're all trying to get discovered we're all trying to do our own creative pursuits and if we're not like working together then we're all small big fish in a small pond as they say right yeah. where it's you know, it inflates egos, unfortunately, and sometimes this happens. Um, I moved around a lot as a kid, so I could see kind of whatever city that I went into, I would always realize they always think they're going to be the next Hollywood, right? They always think they're going to be the next hottest thing. Uh, but then having this outside perspective of being like, oh, okay, well, you, you're just like every other place that we've been to, like, you have to change your mentality to be like, we're all working together in order to achieve the same goal. Um, and I think that's just a missed opportunity for everyone. Is it kind of like similar, like like that in comedy? Um, I think everyone's on their own journey. Yeah. To be honest, but some some are are grinding like Buddy and I, and some honestly I think use the stage as therapy. Mm -hmm. So it depends. <laughs> you know, facts, facts. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. Depends. Yeah. Yeah. No, we do that too. We I'll, I'll make some films that is like working out some problems uh, internally for myself for sure. Yeah. The one biggest difference I would say is that like when we're doing like when you're doing comedy, like you're just up there by yourself. Whereas as opposed with like um, uh, with filmmaking and stuff like that, you actually need like it like the, it's I mean it's a necessity like from the comedy world too, but definitely like um, the parallels between is like we like. We have egos, but like I, I think it's just because like we have to carry ourselves like that because when we're on stage or when we are going out there, it's really just us. Unless we're like, you know, we could be um road tripping to a show together with people. But like I said, when we're just on that that stage, mm -hmm. it's like it's just us. It's like your time to shine. But I would mm -hmm. still argue that that's still like a team sport. So much like how film is a team sport, I feel like 
uh, if you are the only person in a comedy show and you're the only headliner, you don't have any openers. Like it's a lot harder to sell tickets. I'm assuming like you guys either sell tickets or you're bringing your crowd. Right. And then you're not exposing yourself to uh, new audiences who can mm -hmm. then follow you and expand, you know, uh, your, your follow base. So I feel like comedy is still like a, a group sport when you're doing standup. Cause like you have to have, it's like everyone coming together for a single show expanding everyone's audience and like you're trying to tackle the problem of selling out right and selling seats getting butts and seats and selling drinks which i which i wish it would was i wish it was like that <laughs> i would but you'd be you'd be having shows where like you book yeah. somebody on the show you send up the flyer that they don't even post it to like uh, a couple hours after the, the couple hours before the show yeah or it's just you know like it's, I, it's like just, everyone's trying to be the mvp yeah, everybody's trying to be Kobe. Everybody's trying to be Kobe. You and know? some of them, like he said, don't practice like Kobe. Yeah, you you smush, you smush, Parker. Yeah. They don't want the approach like Kobe. They don't got the sponsorships like yeah. Kobe. You yeah. know what I mean? But what they want to act like Kobe, they want to be treated like Kobe. So, so what would you recommend to a, a new comedian who's out there trying to do stand up? Like what? What should their entry? Don't do it. Don't do it. No, anybody like I will. I'll let Tesco. Are you financially stable? Can you afford to be out three to four times a night? Pay bar tabs that you shouldn't be paying for. That's my stem. That's mine right now. But I think honestly, it depends on what type of comic you want to be, what type of road you want to take. Some people generally think that they're funny. Their life stories are funny. Their work stories are funny. The characters in their lives are funny. And they'll get up there and they'll talk about that. There's other comics, like I said, like myself, I take classes. I studied. I practiced. Like there's comics that will tease me and say they can say my set verbatim. Well, but that's good. what? I'm not going to bomb. Yeah, that's good. That's what when you the want, time though. Counts. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's kind of like everyone's in it for their own different goals and perspectives. Some want daily yeah. affirmations. Some have long-term goals. Yeah. I'm in it for right now. It feeds me. It provides yeah. me fun. I love this lifestyle. I love this community. I do well in it right now. I'm finding more of a niche in, in producing. It's actually where the money is yeah. <laughs> but yeah. just saying, you know what I mean? So yeah. So, I mean, like, I feel like there, that's also kind of a similarity with film. Uh, I, I've heard many times that film is probably like the stupidest hobby you can ever have. Why? Because you're spending thousands of dollars on equipment, on hiring people, because you can't shoot. I mean, you could shoot everything by yourself, but you really can't shoot everything. It's something decent, like completely by yourself. If you are, you're a freaking madman, you're crazy yeah. um, or mad woman, what have you. Um, so like it, it's an expensive hobby with little chance of actually having anyone buy or purchase anything. And unlike comedy where you have a captive audience, you have to find your captive audience and then captivate them in a way where you want them to keep coming back and supporting your art. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a struggle. But yeah. even having an audience, even yeah, that's the hardest part. That's even what <laughs> they want a bigger audience. They want their audience to, to be louder. That's, that's the they, struggle. They, that, yeah, that's the struggle that I've been yeah. trying to figure they out. They forgot like, that audience, audience, and they're on yeah. to the next audience. Well, I mean, I think you're, you're really on the right path because um, when I first came to Sacramento, um, and you know, I, right before I started film school, um, I was trying to, or while I was in film school, and, and before I shot my first like live action project because I did stuff in video games. Um, 
the struggle that I was trying to have is figuring out how to fund my projects because I saw that was a huge problem that most filmmakers have. And so what I, what I ended up doing when I was at Sacramento State trying to figure out how to fund my first project was I kind of went like the route that you went where it was, I got together a bunch of film students, got together a bunch of local indie filmmakers and then rented out a theater location and showed off everyone else's films. I didn't have a single film in that whatsoever. And not only did that help cultivate, you know, uh, networking opportunities for me and like get my name out there and stuff, but it helped funded my future projects and really like helped change my mind and like how to go about filmmaking and creating opportunities for yourself. So I like, I think when it comes to comedy for you guys, like that's probably the route you should continue going is producing your own shows. Uh, so then that you can actually do take the, the money from that, the funding from that and invest in yourself to doing the thing you want to do. Yeah, my motto has always been like with comedy, especially like when putting together like my whole funny business team and stuff like that is like, yo, if we could if we could produce a comedy show that we could produce a movie, you know, say so it's kind of like the same blueprint and stuff like that. You know, of course, these are going to, you know, some some different variables and stuff like that. But the, the overall process of, like you say, getting people together, making sure everybody else you know, has their own unique talents that they bring to the table from like if it's finding a venue to if I'm trying to find a venue to throw a comedy show, a venue to shoot the film at. Uh, if I need actors, I know I have, uh, you know, comedians. It's, it's, it's all it's all basically kind of the same. So you just kind of, that's what I've been trying to preach this year. And that's why I've been producing a whole lot of shows this year, which just trying to figure out, like you say, because they're, they're, it's, it's like filmmaking. I love filmmaking. I love filmmaking with a passion, but it's an expensive ass, <laughs> it's an expensive ass hobby. Tell me about it. Like I said, it's probably one of the stupidest hobbies someone can have. <laughs> I'd like to see some type of gala or awards, something where we honor multi different facets of art within Sacramento. Because like Poetry Day, they had the Poetry Gala. Um, I know that they have something for film, I think once a year, I can't remember what it is. They have the Sammies where it's more like music and um, things like that, you know what I mean? But there's not really anything, especially for comedy, but that does, all different aspects. Yeah, Being in no comedy, I've met singers, I've met burlesque dancers, I've met, you know what I mean? Just a variety of different artists that aren't recognized within the community or have their special moment, if you will. You Do you know? think that's like a Sacramento thing though? Like where, like they just like Sacramento in general just doesn't uh, appreciate the arts that we do have out there? Cause there's a strong, like just- I think that there's a, there's a better, there's, there's, something that we could work together collectively with all these different communities to recognize mm -hmm. and give us that. Well, what I think that that will kind of take in order for art to kind of get out there more in a community is it takes a leader like you guys to realize that there's this problem and then go out and try to solve it yourself because otherwise there is no, like no one's coming to save us. Not right? at all. No, all of us like, nah, y'all are cool. <laughs> yeah, like no one's coming in to, to do, you know, to help us in our dream or try to promote the community the way that we are passionate about this community. Um, a lot of the times, you know, for an industry to get made, it takes uh, someone with financial uh, dependence on the area to be like, I am taking my money and I'm deciding to do it here. There's better places for me to do it, but I'm specifically going to put my foot into the sand here and do it here. So I think that's kind of like what it would take. And like, you're already kind of doing 
those necessary steps in order to make that that kind of community with your guys' events. Um, so maybe it's something that all three of us should get together and like make something uh, in the community because it, it definitely needs it for sure. Yeah, and like so, so me and you, we both worked on a, we worked on blind spotting together. You worked on like bigger productions like that. Is that something that you think is feasible to happen up here in Sacramento? Ooh, okay. So let's let's get real here. Can we get real here oh, for please, a second? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Um, okay. So working on blind spotting for people who don't know, blind spotting was uh, a movie that spun off into a television series by Lionsgate and Stars. Um, we so they were shooting out in Oakland. Yeah, we both filmed on the same season one. Um, I was the stand-in for it was um, I was the stand-in for oh Benjamin Benjamin Turner. There and, you go. Um, yeah, yeah. And then what were, what were you doing on the? the... Um, I was a PA on that uh, production assistant. Um, and so the issue that that production kind of had um, was that you know the the showrunners wanted to try to shoot everything in Oakland which would have been a great thing to have in Oakland because it's like supporting the local community, which is what the showrunners were all about. They're from the Bay. Like that's kind of what they were going for. Uh, but the issue is, is that when it comes to production, uh, especially in anywhere else outside of Los Angeles, unless that there's specific um, taxes uh, that are reduced or like tax incentives that are given, it's hard to shoot outside of LA because LA has this infrastructure that allows uh, productions a lot more leeway in what they're trying to do creatively. What do I mean by that? Um, what they'll typically end up doing and what they did for Blind Spotting is they'll shoot all of the interior scenes on something called a soundstage. And what a soundstage is, is a big, very, very big building where they can uh, build smaller sets inside of this big building and fabricate interiors, right? And so uh, by doing that, what ends up happening is that we don't have that kind of infrastructure out here in Northern California, really. We maybe have a couple of places, but not enough to the point where productions have the infrastructure to support themselves for long term, right? And so they're capable of doing that, but it's cheaper in order to build those sets in Los Angeles, shoot out all those interiors there, and then go to wherever they want to go for the exterior. And so just be up there for like two weeks. And just be up there for two weeks when a production, you know, for shooting can be like three months, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, uh, up to a year or what have you. So I think that when we're speaking specifically about Sacramento, the thing that we're missing is that we need sound stages and we need larger areas of um, rental productions, uh, equipment. And so we have a couple of places out here, but uh, enough to support a bigger production like that from like Lionsgate or Stars, uh, we're kind of lacking that right now. And so what I think it'll take is someone with finances who was like gung ho on specifically doing stuff here in Sacramento area and being like, hey, I want to specifically make a base here in Sacramento. And they have that foothold here and then just want to invest that. Yeah, because they, they did um, a news article about that or it was on the news. It was trying to propose um building a sound stage at um cal expo um i'm not so sure about that cal expo might be the best spot for it um but i definitely see i don't know if i can see that happening though yeah um i think ideally cal expo would be a really great place to do that we would need several different sound stages mm -hmm. Um, so maybe something like a, like an old Air Force base, because I know we have a couple of those up here, would be really, really great because they have those hangers mm -hmm. that are like big enough. And they also have like the overhang things where you can like make a grid for lights 
um, and set up that way. But uh, yeah, like like I said, I think that we would just need a lot of money in order to do that. And until you know everyone else sees the the viability of that, like it's just an uphill battle. Super uphill. Other, uh, until then, it's just a, it's just a dream and a fantasy. But yeah. Uh, what was your experience like working on Blind Spotty? Was that was that the biggest was that like a the biggest production that you worked on up here? Or what? No. Well, let's go through that. What what other productions sure. have you worked on today? Um, yeah, too many to count. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the ones of note, the biggest one that I worked on was actually a Marvel uh, movie. Was it Ant Man uh, or Venom? No, it was Shang Chi. Oh, Shang Chi. Uh, okay. It was Shang Chi. They were shooting up in San Francisco, and I was there for the busts scenes and some of the exterior shots same problem right they shoot all the interiors in los angeles and they shoot the exteriors up here Mm. um so yeah no it was it was for mostly those bus scenes which were just really kind of cool to see but like that really gave me the perspective of being like oh man like we really aren't like i'm doing nothing compared to you know big time hollywood like this is you know the equivalent of uh, doing stand up at a bar than doing stand up like at a, a Kevin, you know. Yeah, it's the difference between, oh, yeah, hey, y'all, guess what? I'm about to go sell out the motherfucking the bar yeah, in the corner as opposed to like, oh, I'm selling out the punchline or something like that, or even like Golden One or something like that. It's, it's, it's night and day. It exactly. is definitely night and day. Exactly. So, like, I definitely looked at that of being like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I get a lot of like local love out here in Sacramento. Um, but like, really, I'm just, uh, I call myself a big fish in a small pond because what I do means nothing. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. nothing in comparison. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, when I tell people, like, oh, yeah, man, I was an extra in, like, like Venom or I was an extra in, 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 in the Matrix 4, that people look at, people out here look like, oh, that's cool. But that, like, like me, knowing just what it is like to be an extra, be a background, like, that's really just entry-level work into the film. Then you got to, you know, keep finding the work. And like, how you say, like, Whenever we hear like projects are coming into the to the air, we're like, oh, all right, cool, man, we about to be eating. But then we find out like, oh, we're only up here for a week. <laughs> so what the fuck am I gonna do with this? So what's that for, like a, a comedian? Like, is that is there a specific like milestone that you hit to be like, oh, okay, like now I've like gone to where I want to be in my line of work? No, I don't know. I think it's weird because because social media, social media really changed the game for comedians and stuff like that. To where like. Like, I think, like, maybe, like, five years ago or six years ago, like, when I first started doing comedy, they was all, like, you know what I'm saying? The main goal was to, you know, get past that, like, one of the local clubs that you kind of, like, there's, like, that infrastructure to get, like, moved up. Yeah. But then, like, with social media and just being being in front of people's face, it kind of, it kind of, like, changed everything with that. Like, we're, like, there was, there was a strong period of time where, like, they're, like, if you have a certain amount of followers, they're, like, oh, we're going to, we're going to book you for this club show or mm-hmm. just things like that. I think that also, too, it depends on the type of comic you are. Mm-hmm. I set goals for myself each month, right? So June was get the fuck out of SAC month for me. And I did like seven shows out of Sacramento, oh. Reno, Fresno, Bay Area, Avery, California, you know what I mean? Just different shows. And um, some shows or some months I'll be, okay, I want to work with this producer. I want to do this show. I want to write five new jokes. I want to, you know what I mean? Um build my following. I want to work on my flyers. I want to work on my social media a little more. You know what I mean? So I think you just, I feel like you should set goals for yourself, you know, and that's how you continue to excel. Yeah. I know this year was definitely for me, it was just most just like focus on producing, produce, 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 produce however many shows you can. Just like I said, learn, learn the business aspect of it, learn how to talk to these venue owners and stuff like that. 
what is good, like negotiating tools and tactics. What 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 is it that I could bring to the table that'll now bring value to to this venue that I'm doing the shows at? And then now going into 2024, my main goal is, like I said, with the social media, it's like I just need to produce content. And then know the type of comedian that I am. I'm not the type of comedian that's just gonna get up and like the like put camera up there, but hey, I look at that, and I'm here. We all have here. We're like. Oh! Like that's no, but you like, do enough shit. But, but you do enough shit, and that's to, where you just you got to film something. Yeah, that's where the the whole podcast comes in, and and all all, all that good jazz. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. What like so like as far as like with filmmaking with you has has social media kind of like changed the game for that aspect of just um how you would like to put yourself out there and get people to recognize you and stuff like that, like Tubi. Like Tubi, for instance, and stuff like that. Like I, I, I remember people like give it Tubi like shit, but I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I would not buy putting my stuff like go that route. Like Tubi. yeah, well, Tubi gets a lot of smack for sure. Um, I'm, I'm not even going front about that. Um, but I think what's cool about it is that it provides filmmakers an opportunity to earn back money on their projects. Yep. Which you know, as an indie filmmaker, like there's very few ways for us to actually earn revenue in our projects. So the fact that we have something like that, the fact that we have, you know, something like Amazon, you know, uh, iTunes, like that allows us to <laughs> make, make some kind of like financial, like mm-hmm. if you could break even really in filmmaking, it's just like you're winning that way. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, no, I, I think that going the business route and like really figuring out like how everything kind of operates. And I think that a lot of times some filmmakers are really reluctant to do that because, you know, sometimes we're focused really on just like the creative and like, we're just like focus on that. Like we don't really want to do the business aspect, but I'm sure that's similar to comedy and like trying to figure out like, how do you make a living off what you're doing? And you can't do that unless you have kind of like that business minded aspect. And if you don't, you got to find somebody that does. That was, no, that was my main, that was my main deal. So let me just find somebody that, that cares about the business stuff to like, Put it in my head like, no, nah, buddy, this is important. But get on this, do that, do that. My heart. I didn't think that was important, but all right, I guess it is important. Yeah, but you know, going back to your question, you know, for me, when it comes to my social media presence, like I find it as an opportunity of, you know, really in my own mind, kind of like how you were saying you guys were focusing on producing shows. I was like, I need to get word out there myself for directing um, that I am a director. And that I know what I'm doing and that I went to school for this and that, you know, I, I worked my way up, you know, from the bottom and being a production assistant on sets. Um, and so I think, it, it, you know, you really have to put yourself into the mentality of like, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do nothing else. Um, I, I was speaking to a friend recently who really kind of like gave me a, a good mind shift of how to not feel sorry for myself. And he was a writer, also a filmmaker. Um, an actor and something that he said to me was like when he was going through a hard time and being like, why am I waking up every single morning writing, like going through, you know, all this struggle of trying to do something with no gain. Right. And he was like, oh, because this is just what I do. Mm-hmm. Right. And like I would I love the, the simple premise of just being like, this is the mentality that I'm in, that it is not work for me. This is just something that I get up just the same way that I breathe just the same way that I eat, just the same way I got to use a bathroom. Like, this is just a part of me. This is what I do. It's not a duty. It's not work. It's just who I am. And I think that's kind of the mentality that you have to be when you are filming. Yeah, that's definitely something that I had to, um, 
like sit up and accept like because i'd be like looking i was like man why like because I, I was submitting for like jobs like a couple months ago or whatever and i was just looking at my resume i was like damn i got a lot of fucking jobs on my resume. I was like, why the hell do i have so many jobs i'm like oh because all these jobs i just happen to quit because i just have to get like work on like some type of field project I'm like because this is just what i do you know i say like at the end of the day like this is what i do i can't i can't help but to to not do this so when opportunity comes around i'm like yeah that job. Let's just, <laughs> just let's let just do this because because I can't see I could see myself working other jobs. I can't see myself not making films. Mm. You know. What about you, Tess? How you build is, with the comedy and do a stand up? Like, with you doing it? Let's say you're in it three years, and do you feel like you've been doing it a long time? No, I still feel like a newbie. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah because it, it definitely feels like how long have you been making films for? Oh man, uh, if you include video games. Forever, yeah. Uh, but you know, if you're including like the industry, about like five years. Yes. So yeah. I still feel new to it. Yeah, definitely feel new to it and stuff. And the, the thing that's that, that's like I don't want to say sucks about it, but like we're so new up here. But like especially like with the film, like there's no real like people to look up to to be like 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 we've been doing it for like you said five years. I've been doing it for like eight nine years and stuff like that. Like we're the veterans. That's a scary thought. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I say, like we're like not the base of the bed, but like we like it is so much where you like because I feel like after a while people just get kind of burnt out of sacraments where they either just like I said they don't like too many people up here do it for like the fame of it, like the whole aspect of like being famous or like having their movies in theaters and stuff like yeah. that, but not understanding that's not really like what it is up here. So yeah. they either get burnt out or they just after a while they just say, I'm gonna just move out to LA. We don't have uh something to re to relate that to mm -hmm. right we like you were saying we don't have like a big banana who's here yeah that's yeah. kind of like being like hey okay that's kind of like what i you know map map out my life towards if i'm trying to go for that specific thing we don't really have that and you know that's a common problem uh, especially with production assistants up here um because usually what ends up happening with everyone uh, as a production assistant, either you get burnt out in Sacramento as a production assistant, or you do a move. You move to the Bay Area, or you move to Los Angeles. And like that was something that even came up with me, like over the past like year or so, because I was like, you know, hitting this glass ceiling of being like, oh, okay, is it, is this how I spend the rest of my life, like as a production assistant, trying to uh, keep moving up, even though I have this experience here, I'm still getting offered jobs here. And so, like, I think it takes that mentality shift uh, of being like, no, I'm going to be going for the things that I'm passionate about, kind of like how you guys had of being like, OK, well, I can either, you know, uh, stop doing it or I could find a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. And do you feel you get that? Like, because like I said, like, I, I had to travel out to the Bay Area to kind of find those types of people and stuff like that. So, like, when I was working on... Um, uh, last black man in San Francisco. I met people like Rory Ellis. I met people. I met Alba. I met like you know all these all these people. Then like when I was working on uh, Blind Spot, I met you. I met um, a day. I met uh, Sarah. I'll fuck up his name and stuff like that. But um, Soretzi was it? Soretzi. Soretzi. Okay, cool. Yeah, who does the the the, the black film connected all that stuff? Um, that's kind of where I had to go to to kind of to kind of see that like oh okay it is possible. I see people doing these things. I see people move or Hilton. Hilton, for one, is the one that like if you look at somebody like, okay, he moved up, he he's doing his thing now and stuff like that. That's really what I had to do to to keep that belief in myself and stuff like that. Um, Tess, you say you going out to 
you know, to the Bay Area and stuff like that. Do you definitely feel like that? Uh, like when you go out to other cities and stuff like that, you like you kind of like take that back with you to Sacramento. Like, oh, okay, I can do this because these I see people out here. I want to say because I think that the, the well, one thing that's different between Sacramento um, with the is there's a strong, there's a very strong comedy scene up here. Whereas you kind of establish a career in comedy because we like how we don't have sound stages up here. We have comedy clubs. So we, at any given time, especially before the pandemic, we had Tommy T's up at the Folsom Ranch in Cordova here. Then we had the, the punchline in the art and area. Then we had laughs limited in old sack. And then we had um, like the comedy spot in Midtown and stuff like that. We had like about four to five different comedy clubs up here to where three of them, you could, you could see like a headlining comedian every weekend. And if you want to, you can make a trail of it where you can start off in Tommy T's. I'm gonna go catch the first club at Tommy, the first show at Tommy T's. Then I'm gonna shoot down and I'm gonna go to uh, Punchline, try to check some of that show. And then I'm gonna go shoot down to Laps Unlimited, see whoever's headlining there. Like the, the opportunity to grow and learn um, in the comedy world is definitely here compared to like, it's not really necessarily here in the film. The film. Yeah. No, for sure. Like uh, most of the times during my come up of the film industry, I was driving to the Bay Area, uh, I probably got maybe, I would say one job up in Sacramento every two to three months. Um, so all of my jobs while I was working in the film industry was in the Bay Area. And so I, I think that stems from, you know, not having, you know, missing that kind of infrastructure. And like most of the jobs, most of the work in film that's up here in Northern California is commercial work. Mm -hmm. um, where they have smaller size crews. Yeah. And so when you're having a smaller size crew working with like a smaller tight budget, usually you don't need a lot of assistance on that project where you have the chance to kind of grow uh, and further your career. And so any produ you know, uh, production assistant who uh, was taking their job seriously, like I, it's, it's why you know, we were burning out. It was why we we stopped pursuing what we were doing, or we moved because it's man. I was using a lot of gas. <laughs> like, yeah, it was yeah. a, a lot of gas, and like you know, I, I was ashamed of saying it then, but you know, I could say now that I'm surrounded by friends. Like there'd be times where I would be you know pulled over, sleeping on the side of the road because I had a call, you know, the next morning six a.m which means I would have had to left, leave my house at like 3 a.m. And it was just... It was just... No, yeah, no, yeah. Oh, my word. I remember like when I was working on the last Black Man in San Francisco. No, yeah, I think like the last... Maybe like the last week or so, mm -hmm. week and a half, yeah, I was like, you know, I'm going to just sleep in my car for this shoot. I'm going to just go back home on the weekends and stuff like that. But other than that, I'm like, yeah, because like the, the turnover, the turnaround time is... is, is it, It's not friendly. <laughs> it's not friendly at all. Oh, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's fact. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just do no, my set and then I leave. I agree to the location and the distance, and then I try to carpool if it's too far. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that's the that that's the one difference. So, like, we just need to like if we're doing the show, we just need to be there for that two hours. Like, if we're on a film set, especially like how you're talking about doing PA work or like me, most of the work that I do is stand-in work. Like, we're there for like at least fourteen hours, somewhere between twelve to fourteen hours, and then turn around, go back to Sacramento. And then we get that, and then they don't send you the call time until like <laughs> until that's like, when you need to hook up oh, with Tinder the week before. Yeah, that's 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 where that's where the networking comes in. That's where the networking comes in, and you gotta find somebody like, hey girl, what's going on? I mean, so you sleepy, I'm sleepy. Let's just settle for a week. Bitch. Oh yeah, those those trips and stuff like that. 
And I remember, oh my word, I keep going back to like I was like um blind spotted. I remember that that last day of work where they had the the rainstorm and shit like that. That was you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying not to. Those are those are what we always have those sets, those sets that those those film production sets that you're on where you're like, like you're like, oh, this is horrible. You're like, why, 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 like you gotta re- like you're that 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 those sets they really like re reaffirm that like oh I really yeah. love this shit. No, for sure. Um, I'm not gonna talk about blind spotting. I'm gonna talk about a different time on set. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, you know there was a time where I was on set and it was super rainy and the equipment fell because of the windstorms and they canceled the PA's lunches uh, so then that uh, we can go pick up equipment that day. Um, sets like that, yeah, that, that kind of makes you think of like, oh man, like what am I doing with, with my life? And it goes back to like what we were saying before of like just being passionate about what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like understanding like, hey, this is what I do, right? Uh, every single day I'm going to get up understanding that this is what I do, but you also have to have a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the, the Denzel Washington quote, um, but he you know, something on the lines of, you know, uh, 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 a dream without a plan is, is in so many words, don't, right? Like it's, it's just a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to know going into it, like what you're really going for, what you're wanting to do uh, with your life. Cause then otherwise, like, how are you supposed to achieve any of your goals or aspirations? Um, so yeah, so making sure that that's kind of like the, the route that you want to go by having that goal in mind is very important. Mm-hmm. And do you take that now, like the experiences that you've had um, being on these um, big productions now, when you direct your own short films and stuff like that, what do you what do you take from being on those productions into now your own productions? Sure, um, I would say attitude on set, um, especially if you're heading, if you're producing or directing a project, uh, making sure that you have the right vibe on set because everyone's going to feed off of your energy, especially as a leader. Right? Same thing if you're a manager or a boss at a job, right? You have to make sure that you come in with the mentality of, yes, you're there to do business, but no, you're not going to be a hard ass about everything because most likely everyone there not, is not getting paid what they're worth. They're spending way too much time on, on a shoot day in order to, to film there. And uh, they may or may not be tired already from trying to find a way to get there to work for you, just for you to be an asshole, mm-hmm. right? And so I think uh, definitely having that mentality of like, I am here for the crew. I work for them, not the other way around. Um, I also spend a lot of time watching directors and really just kind of like uh, seeing what worked with them, comparing them to each other. Um, because while I was going to film school, like there were certain aspects in film school that I really appreciated about theory, but I gained a lot of experience from working on film sets and being able to watch other directors uh, and and seeing really like what their differences were and what worked and what didn't work. So I can add that to, you know, how I directed my style of directing. So I'd say uh, watching an in, in-person experience on set was something that I really take away and I like to bring onto my own sets. And then test like same thing basically like um has there been like from the like from you going out trying to get booked getting booked doing other people's shows what is it that you take away from that that you now bring into producing your own shows are they like busy like oh, i'm just definitely not gonna mess with them or i know like produce i'm a this this is my approach to you know ask comedians to be on the show the vibe that i'm i'm gonna present when i'm there at the venue like what what is what are those things i mean on myself what I bring to the show, what I'm, I mean, 
I'm just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I show up on time. I ask questions ahead of time. I set myself up for success. I try to do the same and give the same information to my comics that I'm booking. Um, you hear a lot of different uh, feedbacks, right? Some people will say, pay your comics ahead of time. Don't pay them after the show. Um, others will say, don't pay them beforehand because they may not show up. Mm. <laughs> pay them after the show. You know what I mean? So you just kind of learn. I think you it's trial and error. Like you said, this year's a year for or 2023 was a year for producing. It's a matter of just doing it, right? It's just when we started comedy and getting up on stage at that open mic, it's do the work. That's the motto in Sacramento, DTW. Do the work. Do the work. Yeah. Who who, who was that that started that? The DTO. Oh, yeah. Matt Medina. Matt Medina. Uh, yeah. He's in uh, Denver now. But there's a bunch of them that are still part of that. CBC, mm-hmm. Cameron Almada, Julian Lacrosse. Um, you know, there's, there's quite a few. Sam Mallet. Um, they were all part of that. Danny D has a jacket. Um, but they're all doing stuff. Though. They're all but they're doing all, stuff. But they're all putting in the work. Julia especially, man. I think Julia, well, Julia, he'd be putting some stuff out on Facebook that makes people want to give up shit. But he, like, I'm like, all right, yeah. But, but like, but like, he, but like, aside from that, like, he really be like, put it in the work as far as like producing shows. Like, 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 I probably, like, I was producing shows at like, maybe like four or five different venues. Um, like, at like a time and he was probably doing it the same the same thing but the only difference like i had to be a business partner that was helping me manage all this shit. He, for the most part i think he was just doing it by himself he has help he has help um when he first took on a lot of his rooms it was um taken over from another gentleman who's no longer in sacramento um so a lot of his rooms were handed to him but i think like um henry's is all him um players he's passed to david thorne yep. um and then now he has street um, and then he just handed over McNally's to uh, Jacob Slider in, in Oakland as well. Um, but and then he has like uh, Blunts like and More. Then, yeah, the Blunts and More. Blunts and more yeah, so yeah. he does a comedy show at a, a weed dispensary. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of different unique venues, um, a lot of open mics. Mm-hmm. Um, he has shows uh, that 39 handles, 36 I think. Handles, 36 handles up in El Dorado Hills. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've asked him a lot of uh, advice producing and what did he do? What does he suggest? What do you think of this? You know, kind of a thing. We don't always agree. <laughs> oh, <of course> not. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's what you do? Okay, I won't do that. I'll mm-hmm. be sure not to do that. <laughs> and then, dear daughter, so as, so as far as like with um, short films and stuff like that, is there um, one particular, or we could go through a list of like just production that you just like yeah, I did that shit. Like you know, you you probably like what is done because money aside, we know we don't make any money with this stuff. But just um, just just things that you say, okay, cool. This I, I made this shit. Yeah, uh, every single one of my projects. Not exactly. To, good. Good. Not, not to be big headed. Uh, not because all of my projects are great. <laughs> just because I feel like every single project I make, I'm always trying to like push the not the envelope, but I'm always trying to push you know, my, my abilities to do something that I either haven't done before or that, you know, I'm under some kind of restraints where I can really kind of learn how to get better. And so I think with every single one of my projects, I try to up the ante of like what I'm doing every single time. So I'm proud of all of my projects. And, you know, that's really a credit to the people around me because I'm not making these projects by myself. Like I have a team uh, that's dedicated to the work that's like really kind of uh, really the ones who are bringing everything together 
um, to, to make a project in the first place. So I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of them. I'm proud of every single one of my projects. His own DTW. Yeah, do yeah. He's produced. Yeah, he has his own DTW team. Mm -hmm. The Do the Work team. That's what that's right. That's what it is and stuff like that. <laughs> what about you? Do you have like any like comedy shows that like you're really uh, fond of, or like you look back at and you're like, oh man, I'm really proud of how that went off. Um, you know, I'm actually just proud of myself in general. 2023 was my first year to produce shows. Uh, what I did at Queen of Sheba, it was a 420 friendly show, kind of a little speakeasy. You walk in, you think it's an Ethiopian restaurant, but you get to the patio and there we are. Smoking weed, <laughs> just chilling. Yeah. Laughing and having a good old time. So um, I was proud of that. I was proud to work with Front Street and um, bring their first uh, comedy showcase. Uh, they produce a um, open mic every Saturday. And so we have a lot of comics going there and doing the work. So I wanted to showcase them. And so I hosted a showcase every second Saturday where we try to get um, donations and stuff to keep Front Street open because it is a nonprofit. So um, appreciate Dennis and all he's done for us with that. Um, I did stop uh, December with my last show there. So 2024 um, will be all open mics um, out at... Uh, Front Street, yeah. Um, but I am excited for my Loose Lips on the Strip, that show coming up on January 17th. Uh, Drink Easy Wines, that's going to be every first Friday in Rancho Cordoba. Um, but I've got a, a spicy Sunday afternoon with Tess Tickles coming up. And that one's going to be February 4th. It is a $60 ticket, ladies, but it is well worth it. You're going to get a complimentary drink, some finger foods to snack on, you will have comedy from four ladies locally in Sacramento, Asia May, Danny D, Jackie Pearl, um, and Lord Messiaen. Okay. Yep. So they will be there. Um, we will have a sultry lo local singer named Amanda Belts. She will be singing for us some, some sexy songs. We have Rico, the healer Gordon. He'll be doing massage. So all ladies come prepared to get their Rico hands. The great. Their hand. Oh, he is Rico the Great. Oh. Afterwards, you'll, you'll call him that. Um, and we have uh, Colleen B. Photography coming in and she, Colby Photography, and she's going to be doing boudoir tutorial and then giving everyone a digital boudoir photo shoot. Oh, wow. um, and then uh, Burlesque with uh, Cha-Cha Bernadette, and she will be headlining for us and putting us a great show. She's at uh, Darling Clementine's at Harlow's every month. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Sounds like a She's variety great. show. It's not just. It is a variety show. It's kind of like I said, pulling all my little worlds and talented people all together. Oh, I can't forget Auntie Vice. If you don't know Auntie Vice, she has an adult podcast um, and she does um, adult toy review as well. So she will be there giving some bedroom tips to the ladies. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So, so some workshops and, you know, some. Some entertainment and yeah, so, getting them fired up for you guys for Valentine's Day. <laughs> so, so when the comedian does a set, like how long are your, are your guys' sets usually, or like what is the time span? It depends on how long, how much we're booked for. Um, I think the most time that I've ever done um, was forty five minutes for, um, and I was I was only supposed to do thirty, but they did. It, it was out in um, I did it for the University of Reno. Their, um, their student, their student night or whatever, something like that. Yeah, I was always supposed to do thirty minutes, but um, there's the the there's like an improv team that was supposed to go up after me, but they wasn't really ready, so they just never gave me the light, and they just have like just keep going. Like I was prepared for like thirty minutes, and I was like looking up, I was like, oh shit, I got to like my last like my last like it was like my last three jokes. I was like, 
oh shit, that ain't giving me the light or nothing. And I looked at my thing and I was like, it's like 40 minutes. Like, what the fuck am I doing up here for, man? I should have should have been off 10 minutes ago. But yeah, I think, yeah. So yeah, the most time that I've done that I was booked for was 45 minutes. Um, but like, yeah, it all depends. I've done, like I was down in LA maybe like in September mm-hmm. uh, for this comedy convention. And I there, I think I maybe like three minutes. That was one thing I noticed too. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, only like three minutes. I was like, God damn, what am I going to do? Yeah, I can't what, even do my list in Yeah, what am I going to do? Yeah, you only go get to the Gooch Goblin and then that's a wrap. <laughs> but yeah, for three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, yeah, it all just depends on what we're booked for. I've done 20 as a headliner. That's been my most. I mean, I could probably push it to 30 if I really worked on it, but yeah. So then like what usually is like someone who's starting off like how long of a set do people like try to go for when they're doing stand up? You start with five. five. Yeah, usually start with five. Yeah, start yeah, with five. You keep building and five minutes of material. Not right. just not just go to some people just go up on five minutes, go up there and just just give a big ass therapy session for five minutes. We're like, mm-hmm. now we just need like five minutes of like material that you've written down. You went out there, you practiced, you know, wherever you go to. If you go to the touch of class, if you go to the comedy spot, yep. you go to punchline, you go to laps limited, wherever you go, you know that it's just that that five minutes. It's just gonna hit because then now you can go to these other clubs and stuff. But hey man, let me just get a cool little guest set. But like, all right, cool, I'll give you five minutes. And yeah, nothing more just to start off with just five minutes. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then what amount would be like, oh, okay, I'm not a headliner yet, but like I'm like I'm um, getting in my like I'm somebody now. 15. 15. Yeah, I say yeah, so solid, solid 15. That that that's about enough time to get, you know, because then you know the audience get enough time for the audience to know you, you know, feel your opinion out, um, you know, after the show. Like, I feel that's enough time for people to, like, afterwards go buy merch. That's how I know if I got, like, a long enough set. If I did long enough, like, afterwards, people would, like, come up to me, buy merch and stuff like that. That, 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 yeah, that kind of sets the bar. Like, okay, that's, that's enough time. Yeah, as an opener or guest that you're looking at anywhere from five, seven to ten minutes, just depending on the production producers, um, you know, how they have it set up, how many people they have on it and things like that. But I think once you get past that 15 minutes, because you could be a feature at 15, depending on the lineup, yeah, depending, where you're going to, depending yeah. on where you're going to. So, um, yeah, I don't. I, I still feel like I'm not a headliner yet. I've been booked as a headliner a few times. I, I have one book coming up. Um, but I look at the the list, you know, I look at the show and I make sure I'm a headliner for that show. Um, but, yeah, take your shot. You got to do it once to do it. And then when you go into like um like producing like your own project stuff like that, is that something that comes into your mind like the time factor as far as like okay this, I'm about to make like this fifteen minute short film or twenty minute short film or five minute short film? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely because uh, there are film festivals that have limits to how long your film can be, and so I know like some productions will even like make different cuts, right? They'll be like, oh, this was the director's cut. And it's really just the normal video not chopped up to fit into a festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I think the money spot is, like, 10 minutes. If you can have, like, a solid 10-minute short, um, that would probably be ideal. Um, just because, typically, if you make, like, a 20 or 30-minute short, which is 30 minutes is technically still a short, uh, you start running into, like, film festivals being like, oh, okay, do I want this one 30-minute short or do I want three 10-minute shorts? Because what they're worried about is like filling in the seats, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's just a broader audience that way. So like, I think the money spot is like ten to fifteen minutes, d- depending on the project itself. It's like the sweet spot. Yeah, I think like if after thirty minutes or whatever, you might as well just try to make it a feature. 
Yeah, because I think most, uh, I think the the definition of what's qualifies as a feature is, I think it's over like 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, that's like, that's nothing compared to, you know, film world, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but if you're going to invest all that time, like it, it's tough because you have to be keeping people's attention for a long time. And in the world where, you know, we're putting out three hour movies now, uh, and I feel like that's a little bit harder to do when there's so much good content that's at like such a higher grade uh, than what we indie filmmakers can kind of make. Yeah. Is there a, is there like an avenue or a platform for like just short films to be seen? I'm sure there is. Uh, there's this one little place called YouTube that's pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, you can give out, you know, your projects for free for people to see to try to build your audience. Um, cause a lot of that is, you know, trying to get people to come back. Um, but as far as like making money wise, we talked about Tubi earlier, mm-hmm. uh, Amazon, but, uh, sometimes some of the harder things to do is that you have to, uh, especially with like iTunes, like you have to go through, I forget what the technical term for these types of companies are, but they're the ones who allow you to put up your films on those platforms. The problem with them is that because they're gatekeepers, it's hard to get them to say yes, unless you have a feature film. Um, So going the iTunes route is a little bit harder Mm. in in that regard. So I would say probably Tubi or for free YouTube, which like I said, you know, filmmaking is a stupid hobby to have because it's so expensive and there's very few avenues to try to earn money back on your investment. So when you're making a short film, you're really either doing it to pat yourself on the back as a filmmaker to be like, hey, look what I can make, try to gain recognition, try to add it to your reel. But if you're not utilizing those avenues uh, in a way to boost your career, then you're just wasting your time making short film after short film for what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then who are some of the um, some of your favorite um, actors and crew people that you you have worked with? Oh, man, that's Oof. Uh, yeah, that's the one that you told me before. Like, yeah. like don't put people on spot like that. But no, like, yeah, no. When, when when you try to list stuff, right? Yeah. It's always hard. Um, it's hard for me to list like my favorite actors because I love working with with all my actors. Um, but I think the, the best actors to work with are the ones who have a positive attitude, um, who really dedicate themselves to their craft. Um, I have a lot of respect for actors because you know I went into filmmaking wanting to act first. Um, and so, you know, I, I really do hold them in high esteem, but I would say, you know, some of my favorite actors to, to work with are the, the ones that are super dedicated to their craft. Um, they're about their business. They're about working. Um, and typically if I can, I'll try to bring back the same actors that I worked with before. Um, but yeah, like, cause it's all about building a team. And if you can find someone who is going for the same goal as you, like that's ideal for everyone involved. And then Tess, I know for like a lot of comedians, like our, well, we'll say, depending on how far they, you know, they want to take it and stuff like their goal is, oh, I want to be in the movies and stuff like that. Do you see yourself just being in that lane of, I'm just going to be uh, a comedian and just be doing shows, shows, shows? Or do you see yourself uh, eventually like being, because you, because I know you did like a commercial or something like that. Do you, do you well, what, what was that like being on set? And then do you feel yourself that's something that you want to continue to pursue? So I, I mean, it's not something I ever thought of doing, but doing the Indeed commercial, um, hearing the feedback from the director, 
I mean, we only did like maybe less than 20 takes. And he was like, wow, I can't believe this is your first time, like kind of a thing. And when I would mess up, you know, I would notice I messed up and I'd be like, oh, let's do that one again, you know, kind of a thing. And so um, I think I'm a little bit of a natural at it, I would want to say. Um, I did a read and then I did a, um, I had to bring my own wardrobe. So I had to kind of pick and choose that and then send it out and all that stuff. So I understand the process, I guess. Um, it's not something I would shy away from. I'm an opportunist. Mm -hmm. So if you give me an opportunity, I will try it. <laughs> so okay, that makes sense. Because yeah. uh, uh, we had talked about the, uh, I don't know, the, the list, like your, the Mount Rushmore that I do or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you had time to think about it and stuff like that. So I'll let you go first. But that basically what we do is I didn't tell you stuff like that. Because <laughs> no, well, what happens is one thing that I've noticed about doing this podcast is that like, uh, like I said, I always try to get somebody in the filmmaking world and somebody that does comedy. Whenever I talk like the actors and stuff like that, like how you had hit me up before, like, hey, man, what, you know, can I see some of the work and stuff like that? That's usually what I get from like the actors and stuff like that. Or even like, I'll be like, is there anything that I want to talk about? And they'll just send me like a list of shit. Like, I want this subject, this subject, this, this, this. But then when I talk like comedians, ask them, like, like what I ask Tesla, like, can I do? It's like, yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, no questions. I don't <laughs> you don't know what you don't know what they're talking about. You don't yeah. do nothing, but like that's that was just something that I uh, no. So Talk I that's, me. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I didn't I didn't give you a heads up, but we do this thing where we just say like it's the Mount Rushmore, uh, your Mount Rushmore, like just people who inspired you in the comedy world, uh, okay. and then uh, Dia Don is you know four people that inspired you in the filmmaking world. She's so saying four. Yeah, four okay, Mount Rushmore. Four. Yeah. So I'll let yeah, the Adonis go first. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, Spike Lee, right off top. Uh, great filmmaker, obviously. Uh, surprised to hear that he still has trouble trying to find funding for films. Um, but, you know, he's a, he's a credit to the craft, uh, credit to the people. Uh, and I love his film and his content, right? Um, then I would say Ava DuVernay, uh, business-minded as all hell. Yeah. Uh, love her work. Um, I'm excited to see Origin. Um, and yeah, like she just, she's really about her stuff. Uh, and like, whenever she comes up in like conversation, I'm just like, I get goosebumps because like just how proud I am of like seeing her like about her stuff. So I would love to work with her as well. Um, Jordan Peele, mm -hmm. um, just cause right out the gate, he came out swinging, like with yeah. a, a big hit, uh, get out was phenomenal. Uh, I feel like that was probably one of the best films of like the past decade. Uh, which I really loved. Uh, and also, too, you know, he started off in comedy, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as you were kind of uh, hinting to earlier, sometimes with comedians, they also have like a dark side because like a lot of the time it's like self-deprecating humor. It's, you know, uh, stuff that's like happened to people in the past and they use it as like therapy. Um, and I really think that's a credit to comedians because that's really just like the fact that you guys understand human nature and that the same things that make us laugh are the same things that make us cry. Hey, that's what I tell people all the time, not to cut you off. I was like, if yeah. you could take a situation, like a tragic situation, you could make somebody laugh at that shit. You could take that exact same situation to make them like sad, to make them cry about it and stuff like that. So there's definitely, definitely those parallels there. Yeah, which is why, like, I think comedian uh, actors are like really, really great at dramas because um, they know how to like tap into to that aspect of. Uh, emotion. Yeah, we're not afraid to go there. And not afraid to go there, right? No, they're not afraid at all. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, uh, man, last one. Uh, I would say I want to give it to 
you know, the, the, the GOAT, Steven Spielberg, but then I also really love Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. So I'm a cheat. I'm going to do five. I'm going to say okay. Steven Spielberg and Christopher Nolan, uh, just because they're both so stylistic. Uh, you know, they, they both like make me realize like what you can achieve in film when you like actually studying the craft, when you're like honed in on the minute details um because you can take a look at any one of their films and be like oh that is a christopher nolan film mm -hmm. like that is a steven spielberg film um so let's say all those people are like kind of like my bundle of people who inspire me uh, when i think of filmmaking and you saw nope i'm assuming oh yeah absolutely yeah. did you like it i love no nope. thank you man thank you people was <laughs> giving nope i'm like you it, it wasn't supposed to be a horror movie or anything like something scary like, i'm like this is just a dope ass sci-fi like like say a steven spielberg style like jaws type of it's shit jaws in the sky essentially yeah. Right, yeah. is what he was trying to go for and i think that's exactly what it was and like he found a way to like uh, you know, and uh, shout out to m night Shyamalan, where you know he had this thing where it was like the, the fake out at the end of all of his movies and he was kind of like known for doing that but I think Jordan Peele found a way to kind of do it in a way where it doesn't make the audience feel bad about watching the movie like they don't feel duped yeah at the yeah. end of watching that um and so I and I really love the fact that he used Christopher Nolan's um cinematographer for that his director of photography for that and it ended up using looking beautiful and they shot it on um you know actual film um, so yeah, no, I, I love that movie. I love him as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, now Tess put you on the spot. Now. My yeah. Mount Rushmore. Okay. Um, my two teachers, of course, Johnny Taylor and Keith Will Jensen. I mean, they gave me the confidence and the foundation to, to kind of build that I'm funny and build that start of my comedy career. Um, then I would say it is, uh, Jackie Pearl and the DTW crew. They welcomed me with open arms when I first came in and did scoreboards for my first open mic back a couple years ago. Um, but uh, right now in the scene, she's getting a lot of traction. I just seen her recently at the crest and then at the punchline is Steph Tola. She's known as the filth queen. She's out of Canada. I think and I know who you're talking about. She is the semen goblin, um, yeah. Fucking love her. Y'all, y'all, you could open up for her. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. <laughs> Most definitely. I mean, we're in our DMs, and I told her too, and she was like, Why bring my own opener? But yeah, no, I've met her both times that she's come. I love her to death. Um, yeah, she's definitely one of my muses right now. Nice, nice. I like the transit, the like the the difference, like you know, the major ones, and then like mm -hmm. you say, like the homegrown ones and stuff like that, like yep. the Jackie. Um, DTW and all that good stuff. Oh, I like yeah. to give props for what what I know built me and I like to give recognition to the community that we have because it is a very unique community and those individuals are foundations for it. Um, and then, you know, just someone who I am inspired by. Yeah, but like I said, also goes back to the like the difference of like like finding your way into it and stuff like that. Like us being filmmakers, like we find our way to filmmaking from watching movies and stuff like that. Whereas like with comedians and stuff like that, we usually find it from some type of personal tragedy or something that we went through. So then once we, um, um, you know, get into it and stuff like that, like you say, like with Jackie and the DDW people, those are more than like, it's like the people that inspired you, but they're also people that helped you get you out of that funk. Oh yeah, and yeah for you, sure. Yeah, get you back, um, get you back to being testicles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and, it, and it's like a family, you know, it truly is. Some of us have had loss, some of us have had tragedy, some of us have been homeless, some of us have been, you know, just without relatives or family or for the holidays, you know, and I've seen this community 
step up for each other, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that is one thing. As, as, as clicky as clicky as it may be mm -hmm. and stuff like that, when once when somebody does need them, they're like, all right, well, they need they need us. Let's 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 stop like not liking each other for yeah. a minute and help these people out. Exactly. So, yeah, that is that is one thing I'm gonna say. Um, so let's see. So do before we do uh, wrap up this here podcast and stuff like that, is there anybody have any closing statements, anything that they want to say that they we got going on? We know you got the uh loose lips on the strip January 17th and the whole um the other thing for the ladies with spicy, the spicy sunday, sunday afternoon like february 4th yep mm -hmm. find me all my shows all my events coming up on instagram at follow my funny um come out support comedy uh support the local arts including film um we need you guys so sacramento needs to show up yep show up and show out <laughs> and the daughter cd um yeah yeah uh sometime next month i believe it's january 15, 16, don't hold me to that. Um, I'm going to be hosting a workshop on uh, directing and working with cinematographers. Um, that's going to be in downtown Sacramento at the Camera Kitchen Rental. Um, so, yeah, if you want to learn more about filmmaking or if you want to uh, figure out, like, what that lifestyle kind of is and, you know, how, figure out how to work with a cinematographer, um, you should come on by. And that's the same place where the CFA was doing, like, the, um, the PA stuff? Yes, yes. Okay. So it's at that same location. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they put it up online yet. Uh, so tickets aren't live yet, uh, but keep a lookout for them. Huh. Cool. Yeah, we'll definitely be able to look for that. Then any short films or any other things like that? I know you had the, 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 the Kobe project. In yeah, yeah, that's still in post-production. Um, eventually, you know, we'll submit that to a couple of film festivals. Um, but we will be having a free showing uh, sometime in the near future. Okay. okay. Well, if we want to see any of your other previous short films and stuff like that, where would where would we be able to uh, check those out at? Sure. Uh, that would probably be on my YouTube. Um, I don't know if I have that linked on my Instagram, but you could probably find uh, the links to my past uh, films on Instagram. Um, so at me or whatever. Uh, it's at d a d o n i s m. Sure. So yeah, go follow his YouTube page. Check out his uh, short films. Uh, Tess, y'all go check out the loose lips on the strips. Go see some some titties and and boobies and a whole bunch of other LOLs. That's what we bring into it. <laughs> With LMAOs, LMAOs, laughing, mm -hmm. laughing their asses off and then shaking their asses. So that's right. <laughs> and then uh, my next show I got coming up. I have um the Uli Theater. I'm doing back at the Uli Theater in January. That's a live stream show. So if you cannot be there in person, you can always, like I said, just Watch it from your phone or your TV, just like how you're watching this here podcast. And um, yeah, we're gonna keep it rocking. I've actually just paired up with um, uh, my agency, uh, Crown North Talent, out of Stockton. So they just we just teamed up with them, and then with the um, this independent streaming company called Bonita Entertainment Studios. So um, yeah, they're helping us, you know, get um, find. We're help basically we're trying to bridge, like I said, get find help them find more talent. So. The communities that we start bringing on and stuff like that, introduce them to the agency, and then all the, the shows that we produce, we start putting on to the streaming platform, and then we'll just see how it goes from there. So, get oh, me on it. Oh, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> and you know, and I, 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 I apologize. Actually, I'll get you back on. I, I, I'll pay you. I don't think I paid you last time or stuff like that. We didn't, we didn't make uh, no money. We, uh, we didn't make no money at the last show, but, uh, but this will go for it. But this will <laughs> go for you. I got you. Going into 2024, I promise, because I'll pay you for these shows. Let's stick you to that, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate all the free shows you've done for me in the past. Yeah, let's get this off the ground. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, my name is Big Buddy. You can follow me at Yeah Buddy Entertainment or at Funny Business. Um, 
But other than that, yeah, this has been the uh, the Yeah Buddy podcast, y'all. So do y'all have any other closing remarks that you like? You know, this is Chess Tickles. Come see me. Uh, no, this is Diodonis Moquette. No, thank you for having me on. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, man, I appreciate y'all being a part of this here science experiment that I'm trying to put together and stuff like that. This was this was very cool. So, like I said, my name is Good Buddy. I'm signing out, y'all, for the Yeah Buddy podcast. Y'all be catching me on the next episode. You can catch us streaming on all platforms, including Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, uh, iHeart, and then of course there's the live videos will be on YouTube and on the Bonita Entertainment platform. So that's it, y'all. Yeah. Bigger points. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> oh man, we didn't even record that shit. Oh man. Not the fuck <laughs> <laughs> look, looks like you're doing a Tola Bolo next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Except we didn't record it. Are you serious? I was just joking. Just joking. <laughs> I said you were How many times did you lose that joke? <laughs> Probably. The what the recording shit? Yeah. I think we did that. I think I uh in recording.